Welcome to the Cody Lee Show. Joining you from my hometown of Kansas City, a large city with a hometown feel. I'm your host, Cody Lee, body mind coach, Reiki master, artist, massage therapist, and lover of all things healing and metaphysical. My deepest desire is to support you in living your empowered life. Inviting you to connect deeply within, discover new ways of thinking, seeing, and understanding the world, and hearing truly inspiring stories of growth and transformation. Love this channel? Show your love with a little support for all the hard work that goes into creating this podcast. Anything you give is deeply appreciated. Just head on over to anchor.fm slash Cody dash Lee slash support. Your thoughts define your life. It's a pretty bold statement I just said there. And it's the title of this episode. Now, this episode is really about how your mindset impacts your life and also how your thoughts can impact your challenges. Now, I first want to acknowledge in life, sometimes there's going to be challenges that happen that are completely outside of our control, i.e., you know, someone that we love passes away or we lose a job or we lose a relationship. But Some of the other challenges we face, you know, maybe it's a setback at work or something that we tried failed or not being able to grow your business the way that you thought you'd be able to or, you know, not getting that person you thought you were supposed to be with, but really the universe had other plans in mind. Sometimes our thoughts actually are the thing that keep us from seeing the possibility, seeing the potential of what life can really be. And also, they are our colored glasses, if you will. You can have rose-colored glasses. You can also have black-colored glasses. You can also have gray-colored glasses. And our thoughts are really the thing that can distinguish how we experience life. Basically, our perspective. Ever since I was a kid, I always really believe that our perspective on life is what determines our experience of life. Strangely enough, even when I was a kid, I never really believed that the experience of life was the end result. It was almost that our perspective dictated the experience itself. The reason I kind of I don't know, intuited this, I guess, it was because I saw many of the adults in my life and very few of them seemed to truly be happy. And the ones that were happy, it seemed like they weren't given anything different or special, maybe certain opportunities, but they looked at their life through a very different lens. I even did some research about, you know, survivors of, um, um, survivors in different countries from, you know, that were on the run, you know, kind of like what's happening with Ukraine and um, Ukraine having to run and and flee to different countries and have um, freedoms, is that sometimes even in those situations where everyone's kind of handled a very, very bad hand, some people will bounce back and be able to rebuild their lives and can come back to a place of 
you know, wholeness and centeredness where others may not. And I always was curious, like, what's the difference? Certainly, there's been plenty of studies on happiness and have found that even people in the poorest of countries sometimes are happier than people in the richest of countries. So ultimately, what defines our experience of life? And in my humble opinion, as of you know this day in, in my life, it is our thoughts. Our thoughts have a huge impact the way we think about our challenges, the way we perceive the world around us, the perspective we choose to see life. These are the things that ultimately color, if you will, our experience, our day-to-day -day experience, and also our big experiences. So ultimately, I, I used to have this little plaque and it was something that I really believed in and I kind of loved, but it kind of basically just stated, you know, thoughts become beliefs, beliefs become actions, and then actions become your reality. And it's funny that I had that hanging in my bedroom, even as a young kid. Now, was I probably influenced a bit by my mom and her uh, views on life? I mean, what kid isn't influenced by their parents? And so luckily for me, I feel blessed that my mom, you know, had a dedication to looking within, working on the self. She had a number of self-help books. But even then, even with all of her self-help books and even with all of the, you know, Tony Robbins events she went to and all the different self-help things that she did, she still struggled with some of her own limiting beliefs, as we all do, and some of her old stories that, you know, at a core level can sometimes be a challenge to rewrite, to redirect. But really becoming the observer of your thoughts is like the first task in really being able to reprogram, if you will, or rewrite the story. Now I'm an artist, so I love playing in the world of imagery. And I also love, you know, symbolism. The idea of becoming the observer of a story that I'm playing out and then choosing to become the writer, the conscious writer, not the unconscious writer, right? It's almost like when I become aware of these stories that have been in place, they were unconscious. I, I, don't, I wasn't necessarily the only writer in it. Maybe the writer was society. Maybe the writer was culture. In fact, a really funny one, I, I read this beautiful article today by Philip Shepard, who is the writer and creator um, of Radical Wholeness, and I just deeply value his work, but he wrote an article about how we have stopped ourselves from allowing ourselves to breathe deeply through the belly, but he was really talking about it in reference to women. Because as a culture and as a society, we have written a story, a belief, if you will, that a skinny belly, a flat belly, um, especially for women, but also for men, is beautiful, where a pudgy belly is not. And so what often happens in that scenario is we stop breathing through our belly. We stop, you know, allowing our belly to be soft so that the breath can actually move through the entire 
uh, entire capacity of the diaphragm. And ultimately, this restriction can create some interesting things. And one of those is breathing from the diaphragm, Bre or excuse me, breathing from the sternum rather than breathing through the entire diaphragm. What can happen when you are breathing just from the sternum, just from that chest part of your body, is that's actually the place where it naturally engages your fight or flight. If you're just shallow breathing, you can even test this theory out for a moment if you want. Uh, hopefully you're not driving. If you're not driving, you can try this. If you're driving, please try this when you're not driving. Allow yourself to just kind of shallow breathe. those short breaths where it's just through the upper part of your diaphragm and your upper chest. And notice what you start to feel. Do you start to feel anxious? Do you start to you know, feel that dump of adrenaline in your system? That's actually the fight or flight system being engaged. Now what's interesting is if you notice that you're breathing in that capacity and that's not any different than your normal breath, then I hope you recognize or see that you may be actually living in a, in a body sensation, a physiological sensation of fight or flight. But if you allow yourself to soften your belly, right, and allow the breath to come in, down, almost imagine it comes down into the belly center, allowing your diaphragm to really have ease and gentleness in its inhale and its exhale. This instantly creates a deeper breath. It creates an expansion. It creates a, 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 an ability to have depth within your breathing. But for the culture that we live in, having a pudgy belly, a soft belly, if you will, is not pretty. And I, and I remember thinking as a child, I had this funny incident where this girl that I looked up to, um, we'll call her Becky. Her name was not Becky, but um, we'll call her Becky. I thought she was so beautiful and she was the cat's meow and all the boys liked her and everybody wanted to be her. And she used to talk about all the time holding her belly in, holding, you know, kind of holding her belly in so that it looked flat. And so at that, about that point, I was probably in, I was, I was probably in fifth grade. About that point, I decided, well, I wanted to be more like her. I wanted to be beautiful like her. I wanted to be popular like her. So that means that I need to hold my belly in. I need to look skinnier by decreasing my capacity to have deep breaths. And it's a powerful that that belief can ripple down and create such a physiological change and therefore a change in our entire life. So since, you know, I don't know, since fifth grade until about three years ago, I pretty much breathed from my chest, just like everybody else. I had no real deep context or understanding of what it meant to, to breathe deeply through the belly. And what was interesting in this article by Philip Shepard is he talked about the impact of how that affects the voice of a woman and that, you know, when we shallow breathe, if we're anxious, we have uncertainty in our voice and how that can impact whether or not we're heard. Now, 
I think that that perspective is really fascinating just to contemplate and just to play with. What does it look like in your life to live from a belief that says in order to be beautiful, you have to stop breathing? And that in order to do that, you then stop your belly from expanding fully. You breathe from your chest. You create a physiological state of anxiousness and anxiety, so much so that when it comes to, you know, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, whenever it is you're beginning to face these really intense challenges, you don't know how to breathe. You don't know how to come into a state of calm because anxiousness is the only state you know. I've been going actually through um, a really beautiful process of seeing my life from a place of balance and that balance is a good thing. But what I have been also realizing is that I'm uncomfortable with the balance because I've been so used to kind of co-creating, if you will, um, always something to do. And I equate this to being in a canoe. And if you've never been in a canoe, then just go with me on the imagery. But if you've been in a canoe or you've been on a float trip, I mean, there's a lot of people, especially in the Midwest, that have been on a float trip or at least been in a boat on the water. When you're on a river, there are times where there's rapids, if you will, but then there are also times where there is very calm, still water. And that calm, still water can almost feel like you're not moving, but there's a deep underground current that is continuing to move the river forward. So I kind of had this realization recently that as I've been unwinding this belief around having to constantly be on and be grasping for something or be going after a new goal. And I think that this is very prominent, especially in Western culture and especially in American culture where I currently am, that there's always another goal to go after. There's always that next marker to go, go get. It's kind of like we don't really teach in this culture celebrating where we are at unless you have a you know, gratitude practice. Um, but then again, it's like, how often are we cultivating a gratitude practice in our culture? If we are living in a place of constantly striving, nothing is ever quite good enough. And in that, there is this constant kind of turmoil. And what I experienced in that contemplation was, it was like I was constantly in rapids. So that so much so that when I come to a place of still water that feels like there is no momentum, regardless of the depth of what is actually happening underneath, I'm actually more uncomfortable with the, the stillness or with the slow motion than I am with the rapids. Here's the funny part, though is I know that there are people out there that are more comfortable with the still steadiness than they are with the rapids. And their growth edge, their challenge, so to speak, is with learning how to move through the rapids and being confident in themselves that they can. And some people's experiences, they're so comfortable with the rapids that they're learning a whole new sense of security and self in being comfortable in the steadiness. And I don't know where you are at in all that, but 
and maybe it resonates completely for you and maybe it doesn't, but maybe it gives you an idea about how some of these old programmings, these old stories that are running in the background are not even ours. You know, culture saying in order to look beautiful, you have to have a skinny belly causing you to stop breathing, which causes you to live in a physiological state of shallow breath and fight or flight. I mean, that's pretty impactful but it also isn't something that you consciously signed up for. You weren't like a little kid and being like, oh yeah, you know what? I think I'm gonna cause myself lots of anxiety later in life. So I'm just gonna go ahead and stop breathing now. No, we don't really understand that. But it is something that we can become aware of when we start to pay attention to our thoughts. When we start to notice our thoughts judging someone for having a pudgy belly and being curious as to why that judgment is coming up. When we begin to get curious about why am I so uncomfortable in this space or place of my life, if there's nothing truly wrong, and when I say wrong, I mean, you know, you have a roof over your head, you have food on your table, um, you are not in eminent death or danger, right? When you don't have those things, it's a different sort of challenge that you're facing, and it's much more about survival, and those require slightly different things. So I honor that the place in which I am talking from and talking about are the challenges we face and the nuances of actually living our life when we have some of the, the basic needs met. Now, if you don't have those basic needs met, some of this can still apply because there may be some places where, you know, you, you have an opportunity to have a roof over your head, but because of old programming uh, of, you know, a, a feeling that you don't deserve it, you don't allow yourself to receive it. There's some interesting things that can still play into some of those survival things as much as just living the challenges of the day-to-day -day life. So <laughs> as we're kind of diving into one of the ways in which you can shift your thoughts and shift your beliefs and really look at how your thoughts are defining your life is to really look, become the observer of your thoughts. Now, how do you do this, okay? Because there's a lot of thoughts out there that kind of play on us, you know? Um, no pain, no gain is a really big one that I feel like our culture overall is wrestling with because I think we're coming to realize you don't have to have pain in order to also have gain. Um, I also think that there's a you know, some programming around the hustle culture um, and, and how that can play out in affecting our overall health and our long-term, you know, ability to, to be. I even saw uh, some spray paint art as I'm driving that was like, life is hard. And I just, the, I thought to myself, wow, to be in a place where not only do you believe that you claim it out loud, how difficult, how much, how much more difficult do you make life believing that life is hard or that life requires suffering? There are certain uh, religious beliefs and practices that is really tied up in suffering is such a necessary part. And one of the things that I've learned over the course of my life and working with my clients is suffering is not actually necessary. Suffering is 
in a way, a choice because challenges may happen, but suffering doesn't have to. So we can really begin to challenge our own beliefs by paying attention to our thoughts, by paying attention to the things that we are saying to ourselves. One of the ways you can do this is to start talking to yourself out loud. I know that sounds funny <laughs> and you don't want to look like the crazy person, but also challenge that belief too. Are you really a crazy person if you're actively choosing to talk to yourself out loud so you can really hear the stories that are playing out or being said or being spoken and what you're living from? I mean, I don't really think that that's crazy. I feel like that's really awesome that you can do that. But of course, maybe do it in your car where it might feel more comfortable. But you can also begin to journal. You can do, um, in the mornings, I like to do what are called morning pages. And they come from a book, I don't remember the author right at the top of my head, um, but I, I believe it was The Artist's Way. That was the name of the book. And I forget the author, so I do apologize. I'll try and make sure I put that in the notes. But The Artist's Way is the name of the book. And she encourages in that book to wake up every morning and the first 15 minutes of your day are dedicated to basically like a brain dumping, you know, writing out all the things. And it does kind of two things, you know, one, it kind of allows you to see all the stuff that's churning in your mind. But on the other side, it sometimes allows you to kind of, you know, facilitate bringing out of yourself inspiration you didn't know was in there. And that can be really cool too. So that's another way to become the observer of your thoughts. But my favorite, my favorite, my absolute favorite, I learned at the School of Metaphysics when I was a student and a teacher there for four years, three and a half years. Um, and it was called the candle concentration exercise. And it pretty much is exactly what it sounds like. You allow yourself to use a candle and for about 10 minutes, you allow your attention to settle on the flame and you have a piece of paper and a pencil. And every time you have a thought, you mark it on the piece of paper, kind of like little, you know, chicken scratches, right? And what it teaches you is it teaches you how to become that observer of your thoughts and then how to also redirect your thinking, which step one is becoming the observer. There are a lot of ways you can do it. You can be, begin meditating. You can um, kind of imagine that you're like the one watching your thoughts. You can go down the pathway of like, who's thinking this thought? And then who's the thinker of that thinking of that thought? <laughs> there's, there's a whole, you know, kind of rabbit hole you can go down with that, which can be really fun too. But observing the thoughts is first. Then rewriting the belief, rewriting the thought is step number two. But if you don't have that observer part first, you don't know the story to rewrite. You don't know the thoughts that are coming from whatever story and creating a belief, which is then creating action, which is then creating a reality. Again, I'm going to go back to that, you know, in order to be beautiful, you have to be skinny and have a flat stomach and you have to hold your breath. That creates a powerful reality which isn't truly in alignment with our greatest good. So rewriting that story would be really powerful. After you become that observer, so let's 
take it a step further. I wanna take you to the other side of this. So I challenge you to find something in your life you know you wanna rewrite. Maybe it is a negative thought pattern that keeps cropping up, a way you beat yourself up, a way that you talk down to yourself. Um, maybe it's, again, holding in your, you know, the stomach of your belly, right? Maybe that's the belief that's running. Then we're gonna step into how do you begin to step into being their writer? And this is why I love playing with thoughts because truly, ultimately, if your thoughts are the defining factor of your life, meaning they are the filter in which everything in your life passes through, which is really what they are, then you have a massive ability, a beautiful ability to create to create a life that you want, to create a new reality, to time jump, to create a new avatar, to however you want to use those words and however you want to say it, you get to become the writer of your life. And so when we come from and we take a belief, so I'm going to play with that belief about beauty is skinny and skinny is a flat stomach, so we have to hold in our belly, okay? Because I feel like that's a big one that a lot of people can relate to. Man, woman, transgender, doesn't really matter. Anyone can really relate to, you know, a belief in society that says beauty looks like X. And this is what we've chosen to do with it. When we begin to rewrite that story, we get to then ask ourselves some really fun questions. And this is where I encourage you to have fun with it, Okay. Number one, you want to make sure you're also gentle with yourself. When you become aware of a story that's running or has been running, you don't need to add more pain to it by beating yourself up about it. Just be gentle and loving with yourself and allow yourself to just kind of embrace like that story. Okay, wow, that story has been running. I love that story. Um, not meaning like I love it. It's so amazing. It's beautiful. It's more kind of like I'm going to love the the there was a young version of me that bought into that story in fifth grade. I'm going to love her because that's what she needs, right? She needs love. She needs to know that she is beautiful exactly as she is. So I'm going to embrace all parts of me, even the part of me that believes something that I know is not true. And I'm going to love that part of me. That's what gentleness means. Be gentle and be kind. You don't have to beat yourself up and be like, oh God, I cannot believe I bought into that at you know, fifth grade. Like, whoa, what was I doing? And I'm still buying into it. What's wrong with me? That's not serving, that's not serving that, that new story at all anyways. So embrace that part of you, the way in which you want to be embraced, the way in which you want to experience. And then pause. Allow yourself to pause and really sit with, what is it that I want to experience? If I don't want to experience, you know, the only version of beauty is skinny, which means I have to pull my stomach in or hold my stomach in, which means I stop breathing. If that's not a story I want to sign up for anymore, well, what's a new story? And that's in that pause, you know, in that pause, we get to embrace a little bit. We get to be gentle with ourselves. We get to really feel the depth of how, you know, how painful that can be, that old programming, that old story. We also then get to get curious. And this is that third part, right? So getting curious, being playful with it, right? 
really allowing yourself to step into the role of creator, of writer, of having fun with rewriting this story. It can be anything. Beauty literally can be anything. You know, beauty can be the soft curves um, of the body and how it moves with life. Uh, beauty can be the, the, the amount of breath that can come into the body and the ease with which someone moves. Um, beauty can be, you know, the funny, silly things that are said and done and, and the silly ways in which we carry and hold our body and the quirkiness of, you know, this being over here and that being over there. And we can embrace the imperfections. Beauty can be truly embracing imperfection. That ultimately can be the new definition is I will only feel beautiful every time I embrace the imperfection of life. That is an invitation to embrace. It's an invitation to see beauty where it maybe previously wouldn't have been seen. So this is where you get to rewrite the story a little bit and you get to claim, you get to really consciously create and claim the new definition. But you kind of have to get to the bottom of like, oh, that was really about I wanted to feel beautiful or I wanted to be popular. Now, I don't really want those things anymore because, I mean, I am beautiful and I don't really care about popularity. Like, I'm not a fifth grader anymore. <laughs> I mean, I want to be liked, but I want to be liked by myself more than anything. And so sometimes you can just start there. Like, maybe if you're working on loving yourself, you got to first start with liking yourself. I remember I had a really good friend of mine. I think I've told this story before, but I will tell it again. And we were talking about, you know, encouraging her to fall in love with herself. And what does that look like? And she was like, oh, there's nothing I love about myself. And I was like, okay, well, is there anything that you might like? And she goes, well, my feet are kind of pretty. <laughs> and from that moment on, it was this invitation for, if we have to begin at my feet are kind of pretty, well then, let's begin there. Let's begin the story by finding the things we like and beginning to see from a new perspective the life that we're living, the story that we're playing out, and the thoughts that we're thinking. So it's in a way, sometimes this is where affirmations can be really powerful because they can help you redirect your attention to instead of beating yourself up over something, you know, you practice the affirmation, I'm imperfect and um, imperfection is the beauty of life, right? That can be a really beautiful affirmation that's very grounding and not all super positive. Because sometimes, you know, I am beautiful and nobody, you know, I am beautiful and perfect and there's nothing wrong with me might not resonate as truth for you. And that's okay. You can find your own affirmation that cultivates what it is you want to experience. What it is you, what the new story is that you want to live. So beginning to write that new story is beginning to create the new thought forms, is beginning to create the, those affirmations. And I like those thought forms, those affirmations, you know, sometimes I like to play around with what would it look like if I really rewrote this story? And instead of way back in the day, looking at, you know, Becky and saying, oh, I want to be just like her and I want to be beautiful. So therefore I have to hold my belly in. 
I could just look at her and be like, wow, she's one version of beautiful. That's cool. But so are big bellies. Big bellies are beautiful too, especially when they are taking in the breath of life. Now, of course, if I would had known then what I know now, maybe I would have made a different decision. But it does mean that I do know better now and I can make a different decision. I can celebrate the breath of life and not and realize that that is true beauty. Nothing on the outside can really define the truth of beauty that lives within any of us. That's a very different thought form. That's a very different reality. And that can unwind and recreate uh, a whole, you know, set of actions, a whole set of beliefs, and a whole set of reality that we're currently living. So I invite you with that to play with it then. After you have become the observer of your thought, or at least recognized a thought or belief you wish to change, you've taken the steps to rewrite it, rewrite the thought patterns, um, maybe notice some thought patterns that are related to that belief, rewriting those. Again, this, this, this process is, you know, over and over again, right? Because a lot of times what can happen is you become aware of one thought form that was playing in one story, and then maybe a year later, you become aware of another thought form that was actually a part of that old story that you've been working on rewriting. And so you just kind of have to be gentle all over again, pause, get playful and curious, rewrite that, that old belief, that old thought, um, and put it in the image of the new reality that you want. And then you get a practice. I know, the part that we no, no one ever wants. We just want to be amazing at it, right? We just want to be perfect. Um, but per perfection is an illusion anyways, because perfection is living life. It is the practice. And so when we allow ourselves to practice the new story with gentleness, with curiosity, with playfulness, we still have to do the, all those things like pausing and being gentle with ourselves and, you know, having fun with it. Sometimes I think about it, it's like, okay, well, I want to step into being, um, embracing beauty and who I am. And so I'm going to pick clothes and wear clothes today that really captivate that feeling of beauty for me. And I'm going to embrace it for myself. That's living a very different reality of beauty um, or allowing myself to go do yoga and do deep breathing and just let my belly hang out and love my belly in the process. It's a very different uh, practice of reality. Sometimes the practice of the new reality or the new beliefs or the new thoughts, they can be a little uncomfortable. Kind of like I was talking about earlier, where coming into a state of knowing that balance is good and not something that I have to fill with more things to do is kind of uncomfortable. But it's a re new reality that I'm ready to embrace. And the way in which I see that is much like breaking in a new pair of shoes. My old shoes are worn out. They're not working anymore. They definitely hurt. But the new pair of shoes aren't entirely comfortable yet. They're getting there, but they're not quite as comfortable as that old pair was for such a long time, even if the old pair doesn't work anymore. And that's what I hope you hear in this, right? It takes time to become the writer of your own story. This isn't something that you do overnight. It's something that you take moment to moment, day by day, uh, thought by thought, if you will. So you can really begin to condition yourself um, or rewrite and condition yourself into a new story.
I hope you've received something amazing from this. I would like to invite you that if you ever feel like you need some help in stepping into being the writer of your own story um, or rewriting some of those old stories or even becoming aware of your thoughts, then please feel free to reach out. It is something I am incredibly passionate about, something I work with with myself every day and my clients all the time, and I would love to help you with it. Thank you for joining me today on The Cody Lee Show. If you like the show and want to know more, please check me out at CodyLee.com and please leave us a review on iTunes. I would love to hear what you got from this episode, so feel free to send me a message.